Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, it's college football conference championship weekend. Yep, yep. It's our it's our first discussion that doesn't really revolve around ASU football much. Uh, well, maybe not our first, but we haven't had very many. Uh, we did a, a couple, I guess, around bye week that didn't. But yeah, ASU season's in the books, but not everybody's. And and the heavyweights are playing this week, and most of them at least, um, except for Ohio State and Michigan, I guess. But we'll uh, we'll finally get some answers to our playoff projections and questions that we've had for weeks now. Well, the first thing to me that is getting some traction in the news, and and I think is worth a discussion. You've got twelve and zero Western Michigan taking on Ohio for the MAC title, and you've got nine and two Navy taking on Temple for the. American athletic title. Yeah. Navy's only two spots behind Western Michigan, and they've got two games to go this Temple game, and they play Army. Yeah. The group of five gets their highest seed go to the Cotton Bowl. Right. So it's conceivable that if Western Michigan, even if they win, unless the bowl committee says, Navy, there's nothing you can do against Army to change our minds, yeah. that we're going to be stuck with no. Uh, no group of five pick until two weeks after. Right, which would have a domino effect into a lot of other games. Uh, I was reading that today that, you know, I mean, if, if they wait for Navy, then they obviously, you know, a, a bunch of other games that would depend on that won't be able to assign their teams. It would also have an effect on five and seven teams getting picked because you gotta you got to put every six and six or better team in before you go to five and seven. So, yeah, this is, uh, you know, I, I read the story today that, you know, that could quote-unquote paralyze the Bulls system if Navy wins the American title game. So, uh, yeah, it'd be, be interesting. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to believe Army-Navy might, might have some far-reaching implications, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it, it basically paralyzes two conferences. Every MAC yeah. team and every American athletic team would have to wait. Yeah. And see what yeah. happens. Which, of course, you know, with, with uh, some conferences like the Pac-12 and the SEC, I know, are not going to have enough bowl-eligible teams to fill their slots. You're going to start putting teams from those conferences in. Um, so it's, it's a whole bunch, of, uh, whole bunch of question marks, really, that, that uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens. Obviously, I guess the, the easiest answer for everybody, except for Navy, would be Western Michigan wins and Navy loses. And you give the birth to Western Michigan, and, and then you can dole out the rest of your, your births from there. I'll say this. If Western Michigan's undefeated, I'd have a, I, I'm hard-pressed to have Navy jump them. I agree. I agree. I mean, I, you know, I, I, think, I think the worry probably from the committee standpoint about Western Michigan has to be, and, and this shouldn't necessarily be the worry, but um, what if their coach leaves? Um, you know, he's a very hot name. Now that Tom Herman's got a job, he is, he's the hot name among up and coming young coaches. And there's still some job openings out there. There might be, there might be more by the time he, he comes available. He said, he's not going to talk to anybody until after their title game on Friday. Um, but you, you know, what you don't want is that cotton bowl matchup to be Western Michigan with an interim coach. Uh, just kind of going through the motions against you know a Penn State or a Wisconsin and just get their heads handed to them. Uh, then, you know, for for TV rating stake, which shouldn't be the ultimate reason, but we all know it is. 
that's not what anybody wants. Whereas Navy, you know, you, you get at least a, you know, a brand, Navy football. And, and, you know, I mean, not to say it's like it used to be in the thirties and forties, but it's still a significant, um, you know, attraction to watch Navy Western Michigan. Not so much. Well, whenever you get one of the Academy schools, there's sort of a built in following and a built in interest. Yeah. I mean, just the history, you know, Heisman Trophy winners and, and, you know, the Army-Navy rivalry, which has become a little bit more prominent in the last few years. Army's kind of gotten back to being pretty good, and, and Navy has continued to be good for, you know, a decade plus now. Mm-hmm. Well, so I think Western Michigan's going to beat Ohio. I do, too. They're they're only favored by 18 and a half, so. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you know, they've, they've run through everybody they've played. Um you know, and, and at least from, from the standings, again, I, I'll admit I haven't watched a ton of Mac football, but they played the best opponent they're going to play last week, and they beat him pretty soundly. I mean, Toledo was 9-2, and two, I think, and, and if they'd lost that game, Toledo would have gone to the Mac title game um, for as good as Western Michigan season's been. So, you know, they handled them. Ohio hasn't been as good. I think Ohio won last week 9-3 to three or something like that in the game they had to win to get in. So it wasn't an overly impressive win from their standpoint, so... Yeah, I would think Western Michigan will win. Oh, for whatever it's worth, Western Michigan's averaging 44, almost 45 points a game and allowing 19. Ohio scoring under 27, allowing 21. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a, a great run for them this year. I think they, then they beat two Big Ten teams, Northwestern Illinois maybe. Uh, uh, you know, they've, they've been good, you know, and, and uh, certainly Fleck is – is uh, a really hot candidate. He's, he's uh, kind of reminds me, you know, I, I don't know if you watched the game day a couple weeks ago when they were there, but, you know, with all of his phrases, he, he has a little Todd Graham feel to him in that sense. Uh, but they're really buying in. Boy, they have, uh, and, and, you know, with good reason. When you're 12-0 and 0 at Western Michigan, you might as well buy in. Um, but, you know, he, he's uh, one of those coaches who just seems to have boundless energy and, uh, you know, really would be, I think, a good fit anywhere he goes. I agree. Um, the other, the other interesting uh, group of five game is Navy Temple, which we've touched on. You know, th- this Navy team is good. They're they're certainly not the team that ASU throttled no, in a bowl no. game a few years back. No, I mean they're very good, and they, you know they they score a ton of points. I mean, you know, they still run the option. Obviously, you know, it's not like they're running the air raid, but man, I think they scored 75 points last week against SMU. Not that SMU's a, a great opponent, but, uh, you know, against they beat Houston. You know, everybody, everybody's hot, you know, flavor of the month. Houston, when they were undefeated, they beat them. Um, yeah, they've, they've been rolling, and, and, you know, they do play that unconventional style that's very hard to match up against. So hard, hard for me to pick against them. Again, I haven't, I mean, I'll admit I haven't watched, uh, a full Temple game all year, and I, I watched some of Navy play Notre Dame. That's about it. Um, but, you know, the the numbers that they've put up are pretty impressive. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's going to be interesting, uh, more so to me for the implications it has. Yeah. And, and then, obviously, all hell breaks loose if Navy and Western Michigan both lose. Right. Then it. Then I guess it probably becomes the Mountain West conference mm-hmm. that will, will send either um, – probably San Diego State if they win they'd be the next team up Wyoming I don't know Wyoming lost their last two games of the regular season kind of backed into that division title so yeah I mean uh you know a lot of 
lot of possibilities, I suppose, if both of those teams lose. Uh, the non-title, de facto title game, I don't know how you want to describe it, Bedlam yeah. with yeah. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. You know, if if things go crazy, the winner of this still has an outside shot at the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think when you look at the rankings, at least this week, um, this feels to me a situation kind of like somebody in this game would need to do what Ohio State did two years ago in the Big Ten title game, which is just looks so good, so dominant, that they basically erase everybody's memory of, of their struggles at one point this year. For Oklahoma, it was early in the year. For Oklahoma State, uh, you know, they never went through such a down period, but they did lose to Baylor, which is a loss that is hard to, you know, justify now. And, the, of course, the controversial Central Michigan loss, which, you know, maybe shouldn't have been a loss, but nonetheless, you're at home against Central Michigan. You shouldn't be in that position. Um, so, I mean, it, that this team, you know, either one, I think, needs to probably win by, you know, 45 or something like that just to be so good that you feel like, well, we, we've got to move them up. Because you just look at the teams in front of them, and, and several of them aren't going to lose. Simple, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, either Washington or Colorado is going to win. Either, either Wisconsin Penn State or Wisconsin State. is going to win. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, and Alabama, I think, is a sure thing. So, that's five spots right there, and we didn't even account for Clemson if they win the ACC. So uh, it's an uphill battle for either one of these teams, which I think it should be. Big 12 has been a bad conference. Um, neither one acquitted themselves over the course of the year like a playoff team. So I, I, I'm not really feeling too bad for either one. I want to go through the, the bigger games, the ones that actually have real playoff implications, but I want to go through them in reverse order of spread. So Alabama, in a conference title game, is a 24-point favorite over Florida. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it it goes to show, and I I don't know if we discussed this last time, but I've I've been thinking it the last few days. I mean, the SEC this year is a one-team conference uh, and and 13 mediocre to bad teams. Uh, I mean, if Alabama wins, as I think everyone expects, the SEC is going to have an undefeated team and then zero teams with one, two, or three losses. Everybody's going to have four or more losses. So, you know, it goes to show you how down the conference as a whole is. Alabama's great. The rest of the conference is not. Well, and the thing is, when you hear that and you hear, well, everyone beats up on everybody else in that conference, but then you remember, like we talked about before, the late season de facto bye the sure. one fewer conference game than everybody else. Right. You right. Know, it, yeah. I mean, and I think you look at, and you know, I, I always hesitate to judge too much on just a handful of games, but you know, look at the, the, you know, the rivalry games that are played out of conference. Georgia lost to Georgia tech at home. South Carolina just got embarrassed by Clemson, which we talked about last week. We both thought South Carolina would at least keep that game competitive. They didn't. It was 56. Um, Florida, couldn't you know? Couldn't convert one third down and couldn't get an offensive touchdown against Florida State. So I mean, you you know, look at three games there. Those are all bull eligible SEC teams. Uh, Florida's the SEC East champion, and they did not acquit themselves well at all. No. Now I mean, well, Archie thinks Florida did okay for the season, but <laughs> I don't think he does. I don't think so. I you think, think he, this is anger? Is, you think this is, is anger at the SEC? Yeah, let's get some. Let's get some. You know, earth back in the SEC. Let's get some offense back. 
I think you're right. I think he's. I think he's taking your side, not mine. He's he's frustrated. <laughs> Florida's the home of fun and gun, Tim Tebow, and now they can't score. What's happened? I blame Muschamp. Maybe Muschamp just breaks things. I, I mean, you know, he he took the blame. Um, they just haven't. I mean, the biggest thing for them is they you know they haven't found a quarterback since Tebow. They're a lot like Texas since Colt McCoy. They just haven't found one. And, and you know, and when they do seem to find one, he either gets hurt or. Or you know, get suspended for PEDs like last year. Um, uh, no, they haven't had any consistency at that spot for you know going on seven years now. Really. Now, do you think that? Do you think that Florida is go- has sort of found their equilibrium here, or do you think this is going to be a continued decline moving forward for this team? Um, I think they'll, you know, they got a couple of freshman quarterbacks that, that didn't play this year, and I think they're high on both of them. You know, McIlwain, I think, is a pretty good coach. I mean, without much of an offense, he's gotten them to the SEC title game two years in a row. So, you know, you give him credit for that. Um, I, I think they'll I think they'll get back. I mean, I, you know, I hope that the SEC's blip or, or drop this year is just a blip, put it that way. You know, you – they played a, a lot. I mean, you look at the conference, a lot of young quarterbacks. You know, Georgia was playing a true freshman. Ole Miss ended up playing a true freshman. South Carolina ended up playing a true freshman who should have been a high school senior. So you, you hope that, you know, you start to see improvement at those places. Because, it, yeah, I mean, the SEC is, is supposed to be the, you know, the crown jewel. And it just wasn't this year. They have, they have the best team, but they don't have anywhere near the best depth. The next biggest spread is Clemson plus or uh, Clemson minus ten against Virginia Tech mm-hmm. in the Dr Pepper ACC that's championship right. game, which I think is the only one ESP. That's the only sponsor ESPN acknowledges in there. It uh, is, I believe so. Yeah. So, in the Dr Pepper ACC title game, yeah. Tell me, tell me why Clemson won't win this. They they appeared to put uh, it all together last week. They did. They did. Um, well, the reason why, I guess, is the previous 11 games where they hadn't really put it all together. Um, yeah, I mean, if they play like they played last week, they'll win, and, and they're capable of winning the national championship. I mean, that was that was the team that I think we expected to see, or at least I did, for, for most of the season. Um, you know, they, they moved the ball at will. They, uh, they only had one turnover. They ran it. They threw it. They played good defense. Uh, I mean, it was it was dominant uh, against a, you know not a great team, but a, a solid winning team, um, and they put it on them. So yeah, I mean, if they found it last week, but Virginia Tech's a pretty good team. It's it's a neutral site game. You're not going to be boosted by the home crowd like you were last week. Um, you know, I think upset potential for sure. I think it's going to be sort of like we talked about last week. If the Virginia Tech defense can force some turnovers, if there's a muffed punt in the special teams game, they could stay right in this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've they've been a good team. They've been a little surprisingly inconsistent, I guess. You know, they at times they've looked really good, but, you know, they got beat soundly by Tennessee, which as you look at it now, Tennessee, Tennessee didn't beat very many teams soundly. Yeah. Um, and, and then they lost to Syracuse, which was kind of a head-scratcher. And they lost another one, I can't remember to who, um, toward the end of the season when they could have clinched the ACC division there and, and they lost uh, in second to last week. But So, they, you know, they've been kind of up and down. The Georgia Tech game? Georgia Tech, yes, exactly, yes, yes. Um, 
you know, they've had some surprising losses when you thought they kind of were ready to surge ahead. They're a team, I, I think, really that, you know, they're building for something big. Uh, Justin Fuente, I think, is a pretty pretty darn good coach. He did well at Memphis. Um, you know, it's not this year, obviously, although they could win the ACC, but they're going to be, uh, you know, pretty quickly, I think, back to being a, a national threat here in a couple of years, maybe as soon as next year. Speaking of Memphis, nice win to end the year, regular season yeah. anyway, for Mike Norvell. Yeah, yeah, solid season. He, he you know, losing a, a first-round quarterback and losing their head coach, they, they still put together a good year. And now it will be a question of whether this is continuing the build of a middle conference team like Boise after their right. head coach switches, or if this is going to look more like Helfrich and Oregon where for the years sure. until all of those players that someone else recruited are gone, you look okay. Sure, sure, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see, yeah. So then the next one, Washington, a touchdown favorite against Colorado from Levi Stadium. I'm, yeah, I'm excited I, for this game. I think this is going to be a fun one. Me too. I was going to say, I think this is the best conference title game far and away. Uh, you know, I, unfortunately for the Pac-12, it's it's on a Friday night, which is, you know, it just kind of gets lost a little bit in the shuffle. Football fans will watch it. I'll watch it. Um, you know, if it was on Saturday afternoon, I feel like they'd have a better audience. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for it. I mean, it, I think it was uh, early October when you and I first discussed the notion of could Colorado actually be the best team in the South? Um, and sure enough, and yes. they were. Uh, you know, I, I, we both started the year thinking, you know, oh, they're they're still the, the cellar dweller and it should be an easy win for anybody who plays them. And very quickly, you know, first three weeks of the season, you kind of got the message that they were going to be much better than we thought. And as, as, as it turned out, a whole lot better than we thought. I mean, it's possible that Colorado – is going to win the conference after being in the basement of the conference for years. Yeah, in, in, yeah, in I mean, a stunning leap turnaround. It really is. I mean, two they've been they were two and twenty five in the conference the last three years, five and forty I think since joining, um, and and now they're eight and one. That's uh, pretty amazing. And they they have a an outside chance, a long chance, but an outside chance to get in the playoffs. Jumping Oklahoma, I think, gives them that chance that. You know, let's let's say they win and win convincingly. Um, you know, they, they beat ugly, Washington by yeah. three touchdowns. You know, they if just they, go in and if roll. they win big, and you have an ugly Wisconsin Penn State game, yeah, and yeah, Clemson gets beat shot. by Virginia Tech. Exactly. Yeah, they need some help, um, but I think they'd have a shot. Now, you know, the the tough part for them is obviously if they're compared to Michigan, same record, and Michigan beat them. Um, so that's a you know, who would have guessed? In week three, when Michigan played Colorado, that we'd be talking about that in you know early December as being a potential you know decide between the two teams making the playoff, um, you know. So it's it's a long shot, but they they got a shot, which I mean, man, who again, who would have expected that at the start of the year? Well, the job McIntyre and Peterson both really have done with yeah. these programs. Peterson inheriting a Washington team that. Felt like they had figured it out when they got Sark, and then right. he left, and you kind of were wondering, are we just going to spin our wheels in Seattle? Yeah. And he's it's a great hire. Yeah. It really was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Sarkeesian got them out of the, you know, the depths that they were in before him. Um, I think they had a, an 0-9 conference season, you know, under Willingham and really, really struggled. 
Um, and, and he, you know, he rescued them from that, but he could never get them over the hump. You know, he, I, I, I believe the derisive nickname for him was seven win Sark. He could never, he could never really take them to any better than, you know, a slightly above average year. Um, and, and, you know, Peterson has come in and done exactly what they hoped. It reminds me of a, you know, to go cross sport with a reference. It reminds me in the NBA when you go from being a team that doesn't even sniff a free agent and you yeah. Sark got them in the position of we're getting the meetings. We're getting to talk right. to people. Right. And, and now Peterson is closing. Peterson yeah, has gone is. full on Pat Riley. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, he's, uh, you know, it, you know, he was at Boise for a long time and we kept expecting him to jump at, at a, you know, a big time job, you know, USC or Texas or something like that. And, you know, maybe Washington was the right kind of fit for him. Cause he, he doesn't seem like a coach who would relish being in quite the, the fishbowl that is, you know, going to Texas or Alabama or Ohio State or a place like that. But, you know, Washington is, is a historically very good program. They won a national championship in the early 90s. They, you know, they've, they've been in the Rose Bowl a bunch and, uh, you know, and they, they went through a long period of struggle from, you know, the post New Heisel years until just the last few years. Um, but, you know, yeah, he's capitalizing. And certainly the, the demise of Oregon, I think, goes hand in hand. Some of the best players in the Northwest are now going to Washington instead of Oregon. And that's where they used to go. Oregon took advantage of Washington's downturn, and now Washington's, you know, turning it around on them. Yeah, and there, there's a growing crop of talented players coming out of the Northwest and Northern California. Yeah. You know, and... yeah. To be honest, the, you know, ASU, I know, has benefited at Vontez Perfect being an example that people sure. cite, too, of sometimes it's easier. If you're recruiting against Stanford and Cal, the academics are harder sure. than at Washington. So that's a place yeah. where Northern California kids could go and they get to play in front of the home crowd once a season. And Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's impressive what he's done there pretty quickly, um, you know, but I, I guess I would say, you know, there was a there was a, a healthy amount of people who thought Washington was going to be pretty good this year. The Colorado job is is amazing to me. Uh, I mean, you know, Washington took a big step, and I this is not to take anything away from them, um, but they were kind of primed for this. Colorado sure didn't seem that way, and uh, you know, to to make this kind of leap in one year is amazing. Now, what do you think of the idea that? The Huskies are better off in this game. Not just that they're number four and Colorado's number eight, but yeah. that they that the Apple Cup was Friday and the Colorado Utah game was Saturday. Um, I don't know. It, it might be a touch overrated. Um, uh, you know, it's only one day. I mean, I, I suppose it doesn't hurt, but I don't know. I, you know, to me, it's it's a little bit like playing. You know, you come off a Monday night football game, you play a team that played Sunday. Is it really that much of a difference? I just I just think in terms of college, with college yeah. kids, the routine that you establish, you get to go back on it now. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't hurt. No, I, I would say that, um, you know, it never never hurts to have a little extra rest, I suppose. Um, you know, and it's just a it's a fluke of the schedule. I mean, you know, it's not. It's not like it was done on purpose or anything, but yeah, I mean, can't it can't hurt them? Definitely not, you know. And I think I think for them they should. Uh, and and I say this not to disrespect Colorado. Colorado can win, but if I was them, I'd be happy they're playing Colorado and not USC. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, USC, we talked about, you know, was Colorado the best team in the South? For the season, they were. Right now, yeah. USC, if you asked me to just, if this was a, an open bracket 64 team yeah. playoff, I, I would pick them to go far. I agree. I agree. The last one is Wisconsin Penn State. The Badgers are favored by less than a field goal. You know, there's no Michigan, there's no Ohio State. Are are people going to care? I mean, for me, it, yeah, it doesn't have the the appeal that I was hoping. Um, you know, now now for you, you know, being in Wisconsin, it, it probably is a different feel. But yeah, to me, it's it's not really that exciting. You know, Penn State is is a heck of a story. So is Wisconsin. Um, it reminds me a bit of of you know the basketball tournament where we kind of we root for the underdogs, the small conference teams in the first couple rounds, but ultimately we don't really want them to make the Final Four. We want the Final Four to be you know Duke and North Carolina and Kentucky and Kansas and Michigan State and you know UCLA. some of the, the traditional heavyweights because those are the those are the programs that resonate. We don't we don't really want to see, you know, Virginia Commonwealth in in the Final Four. It's a nice story, but when it comes down to it, it's like, eh, are we really that excited? I kind of feel like this is a good example of that. Do you think that the winner of this game will leapfrog Michigan? Do you think the winner of this game should leapfrog Michigan? Mm. Um, I think it. I guess it depends on how the game goes. Um, and I, that's kind of a, kind of a bailout answer, but you know, I, I'm reminded again of two years ago with, with Ohio state and going into that week, I think everybody kind of thought, well, you know, JT Barrett had gotten hurt. We didn't know what they had in Cardale Jones. Um, and, and even with Barrett, you know, they were kind of considered behind everybody else. And then the game happened and you saw how good they looked. And it was like, you know, all at once, we all just kind of thought, Ugh, how can you keep this team out? And they didn't. And they ended up winning the national title. So um, I, I kind of feel like I need to see, you know, if, if one of the teams, if whoever wins looks dominant, you know, they just, they just go in and they dominate the other, then I think, yes, they will. And I think probably they should. You, you get into the notion of, you know, head-to-head. Michigan beat both teams during the season. Um, that should matter, but it's not the only thing that matters. I think, I think people get too carried away with that same argument with Penn State and Ohio State. Yes, they beat them, but does that mean the other 11 games for each team don't matter? I, you know, I, I don't think we should get into that. See, and where the playoffs going to get interesting for me is the number one thing the committee considers, in theory is conference title. That's supposed to be a big thumb on the scale. Yeah. And it's going to be odd if you take a team that didn't play for the title when the other two teams are also top ten, top right. five. Now, teams. personally, I don't have a problem with it. I don't. I, I you know, I, I think reasonable minds can agree that Ohio State was the best team in the Big Ten. They're not going to be, they're not going to be able to call themselves Big Ten Conference champions but I, you know, I think it kind of goes along with what we're saying about the Pac-12 South. Colorado won the Pac-12 South, and they deserve it and give them all the credit in the world. But I think we both agree USC is the best team in the division. I think that's the same thing with the Big Ten. Okay. I, I guess the nice thing is we'll get to find out exactly what the committee was thinking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and the thing is, you know, I'm hearing a lot of, 
complaining about, you know, oh, the committee's too subjective and they don't have clear criteria. And I'm thinking to myself, did you people not understand what a committee is? Well, it, we, it's, it's a group of people. They are subjective. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's going to be this way. Well, there's, I, I mean, and the other thing is, weren't we mad about the yes. strict regimented computer criteria where <laughs> right. there was, you know, right. you didn't have it, you know, because in week two, Alabama blew out some team you never heard of. That yeah. means now in week 14, they must be better. And right. we didn't like that because you don't know what happened. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's fine, honestly. I, you know, I I, uh, I know I used to I used to be the the chief complainer about the BCS and and wanting a playoff and all of that. Um, but I think it's fine. I think the first two years they've gotten the right four teams. I really don't think uh, there's there's much to complain about. Last year there certainly wasn't. Year before, I suppose if you're the Big Twelve, you could feel a little gypped that your team, your two teams, got left out in favor of the other conferences. Um, but you know, Ohio State was the controversial team to let in. They ended up winning the whole thing, so it's hard to hard to say that was a bad decision. Um, and and I think we just we just spend so much time getting upset about these rankings that don't mean anything. And if to me, if Clemson and Washington win, it's going to be those two in Alabama and Ohio State. You're going to have one team from four major conferences that have zero or one loss and who's upset about that to me that that you know it's pretty clean and easy i agree what what wasn't clean and easy was oregon's handling of the mark helfrich situation <laughs> no no it was not phil knight did not have that covered apparently because yeah you know they they waited through the weekend to announce the firing I, I saw that immediately the first story was Chip Kelly saying that he's not coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Says he's willing to help with the search, which, of course, if I'm the 49ers, I might be thinking, um, why don't you just coach this team? No, too too easy. <laughs> too easy. <laughs> Seeing as how we're 1-10, we might want you to just focus on the task at hand and not try to balance other things, but that's a different story. Um, yeah, you know, I, I mean – it makes a lot of sense why they would want him back, and it, it, it from a from a fan perspective, I think to a lot of people, it makes sense why he would want to go back. But I'm not sure he does. I'm not sure he wants to coach in college anymore. Even though I think we all agree he was better at it, um, there's a lot of things that go along with coaching in college that maybe he just doesn't want to be a part of. Yeah, and I, you know, that's fair. He, uh, you know, I mean. It, Again, from from an outsider perspective, uh, you know, you think, well, geez, you were great in college. Why would you not want to do that if you're struggling in the NFL? But um, I'm just not sure that he wants to, and especially to go back to Oregon, it, it would have the feel of, well, I failed, and now I'm coming back, you know, to live with my parents, basically. I mean, you know, and that's probably not fair, but that's that's how people would regard it. You know, you went out on your own and you failed, and here you are back in the safe haven of Eugene. Do you think that the Oregon job is a good job? Where would you put it? It's it's not. Uh, I don't. I for me, it's not on par with Texas, Michigan, Alabama. No. That USC. Agreed. It's not. No. No. I mean, I. Uh, I would say it's. I guess. I guess depending on how you want to divide the tiers, it's probably a second tier. 
Now, if you want to go first tier is just the true elite, the, you know, the Mount Rushmore type of programs, then it's probably a third tier. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how you define it, but you know, it's, it's a good job. Obviously they, you know, they've shown in the last decade that they can play for national championships. They got to two title games. They had a Heisman trophy winner, um, you know, a, a bunch of, of star players, they have a stadium that, you know, is one of the toughest to play in when it, when it's rocking and they're good. Um, you know, so it's, and it's certainly got Nike money to back you up. That doesn't hurt. So it's a, it's a solid job. But when you look at Washington on the rise, as we talked about earlier, um, you know, I think that makes it harder. And, and I just think in some ways it's, it's somewhat of a cyclical thing. You know, they had their upswing. And now they're in their downswing, and it's not going to be a, a real quick fix, I don't think. Would you – well, let's start with some of the candidates. Would you leave that job – or would you leave for that job if you're Dana Holgerson at West Virginia? He probably would because apparently he is not going to stay at West Virginia from what I, from what I understand. You know, they, they cut off negotiations on an extension and – and he's looking for the exit door. So, yeah, he probably would. If you're, if you're Oregon, would you be interested in him? Is he too old? Is he too different? Um, I, I think I probably would. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's kind of a, kind of a swashbuckler type. You know, he runs a, an exciting offense. You know, he comes from the the Mike Leach family tree. There, um, you know, he coached under him. He, you know, he. he uh, I think he coached under Gundy at, at Oklahoma State for a bit, um, and and you know to his credit, he's uh, he's kind of you know adjusted his approach a little bit to actually playing defense, which you know as we see, it's not easy. A lot of coaches who run the air raid type of offense, their defense stinks. Um, we're not alone. You know, Texas Tech, it's been a problem. Cal's been a problem, uh, but West Virginia's defense has been pretty good. So. Yeah, I think that's a, an intriguing fit. I hadn't heard his name mentioned for for them, but I think that would make sense. Here's the guy who I'm curious about. Because I think Holgerson, my guess is he, if they offer him the job, he takes it. Yeah. Um, what I'm curious is if they go for trying to stay in the family tree and go with somebody young who's a little bit savvy, Justin Wilcox. The, the Wisconsin yeah. defense has been great. He played at Oregon. He's from Eugene. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, didn't he coach at Washington for a bit under he coached, Yeah, he coached at Washington. He coached at USC. I mean, yeah, he's familiar yeah, he's with got, the conference. Definitely got Pac-12 ties. Yeah, that's uh, that's intriguing. You know, and his his uh, name is, is, I'm sure, a hot one based on Wisconsin's defense this year. So, yeah, that'd be an interesting fit, too. I'll say this. If ASU had some extra money laying around to pay the buyout, I, I'd see if I could – give him all the money to coach the defense under to be the defensive coordinator yeah yeah be nice uh you know probably a in reality it'd be a step down for him but yeah but money money solves that problem oh it does it does yeah i agree i mean this is i'm gonna go to the tweet you sent me uh today (laughs) which was the national average for missed tackles was 13.4 percent alabama best in the nation 7.6 percent ASU worst in the nation, nineteen and a half percent missed tackles. Yeah. That means yeah, I mean, one out of five plays were missing a tackle. Oh uh, yeah, it, it tells you you know a lot of what you need to know. Stats can lie. We just talked about that on you know Saturday morning when we talked about the 
the U of A game and all the stats that kind of, you know, look like they'd be in our favor, but they weren't. Um, that's a stat that doesn't lie. You know, that, you know, Alabama is one of the best defenses in the country, and you see why. Um, now, you know, they've also got great talent. That that certainly doesn't hurt. But, you know, it's it's uh, as simple as making plays a lot of times. We do, we do a lot of analysis in all the sports. And, you know, Greg Popovich is, uh, you know, to cross sports, he's a guy who's fond of saying, you know, a lot of times it comes down to, does the ball go in the basket? You know, do you make the shots or do you not make the shots? And and in football, a lot of times it's just as simple as, as making the routine plays. You know, catch the ball when it's thrown to you. Make the tackle when the guy's in front of you. You do that, you'll probably be pretty good. You might not go undefeated, but, you know, you'll, you'll probably do pretty well for yourself. Yeah, no kidding. And we didn't do enough of that. You know, we just, especially on defense. I mean, those are, those are, are simple things to ask. Make tackles. Now, yes, does that does that address the fact that sometimes we leave guys uncovered? No. You know, that's a scheme thing. But, boy, if you just make tackles, we would have been much better off than we were. Yeah, you would certainly hope so. <laughs> I mean, look at that number. I mean, like, cut that number to, to the average. What's the average? 12, 13? 13. 13. So that's about six, six seven tackles a game that we didn't make so so what i mean like factor that in that's that's probably you know two or three more wins if you think about it and it's a whole different season so you know it's it just sometimes that simple tackle the guy in front of you guys get the ball put him on the ground now I, you know i say that as somebody who didn't play football at this level and you know i realize guys are talented and you're not gonna make i mean alabama's great they still have you know seven that's you know that's still okay yeah you're gonna you're gonna miss some but man you know a, a few more that you make would make a big time difference yeah now there's been a lot of coaching movement uh lsu making coach o official is uh yeah is big for recruiting down there because the one thing he did was recruit he, he might not have won a lot at Ole Miss, but no, he did not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but he knows the people and he speaks the language in Louisiana. He does. He does. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a very interesting move because you know you can look at it and say, well, they fired a coach who was eighty games over five hundred for a coach who's I think seventeen or eighteen under five hundred. Uh, uh, you know, on the surface, that doesn't look very smart, but. You know he will he will get people fired up, um, and he is one of theirs, and that goes a long ways down there or anywhere really. Um, but you know it's it's a cultural thing. He is he is from that culture, um, so he'll get a little bit of a leash, but not a long one. And he better find a good offense. Um, you know Lane Kiffin's the hot rumor to go be his coordinator, and that would probably be a good fit um, because that's what it comes down. The reason Les Miles got fired is because they could not produce a good offense or or produce a good quarterback um so he better find a way to do that yeah i mean you've got the consensus best running back when he's healthy in the country you, you got to do something with it and I right think ultimately and that's what i think that's ultimately what spelled disaster for Les yeah Miles's tenure. i think so yeah i agree i mean three years of fournette and and i you know they never they never sniffed an SEC title game. Um, you know, I think the most games they won in a season was eight. He, uh, you know, for, for being handed the Heisman halfway through last year, he's never going to be, you know, a finalist. 
So, I mean, he had a, he had a, I don't want to say his career was a bust. It wasn't. But you certainly didn't get the most out of him. No. And then there's Texas with Charlie Strong out, Tom Herman in. And um, it, it's unclear whether Charlie Strong got a fair deal, especially this last season, which we talked about. Yeah. You know. I, mean, I don't think he did. Um, I, I think he was, he was dealt a losing hand from the start. Um, and I think I've said this to you. I know I've said it to other people that I, I felt like, and I still feel that way, that the next coach is going to win early, maybe as soon as next year, be in contention for the Big 12 title. And they're going to say, well, boy, that Charlie Strong was a really bad coach. When in reality, he set the wheels in motion. He got the good players. They just didn't quite get enough time to see it through. Yes. It's almost like the opposite of what happened with McIntyre. It feels like next year yeah. could be, you know, what this year was for Colorado, where yeah. all of a sudden it could all gel. Yeah, I mean they're a, they're a very young team. Um, you know, they're they're losing Deontay Foreman, who was a you know the big driving force of their offense, but they they do have a lot of. Young, I mean, they played a true freshman quarterback, just like some of those other teams we were talking about. You know, a lot of young offensive linemen, a lot of young defensive players. Like, you know, it, yeah, I, I think the talent is going to be there. I think Tom Herman's going to recruit good talent, too. I mean, he's he's uh, he's a good fit. You know, he's a he Texas. Got, he got a five-star recruit to commit to Houston. To go to Houston, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to do well. He seems to have the personality to really go out and make it work. And, uh, you know, he's got a lot of, of history in the state from being a GA at Texas to start out with. And I you know, he's coached, obviously, at Houston, but he, he was an assistant, I think, at Rice. Uh, Sam Houston State, I want to say. I mean, he's been around the state, so he's got roots there. Uh, and he's got, you know, obviously some some Urban Meyer connection. He was the Ohio State coordinator when they won the national title a couple years ago. So he's, uh, you know, he's, he's got a great lineage, 22-4 um, and four in two years at Houston. So, yeah, as, as a Texas fan, I'm excited. You know, I, I'm sad to see the state they've fallen into. I don't think they treated Charlie Strong fairly, but I do think they've got a good hire with this guy and hopefully are on the right track. It's certainly going to be interesting um, for Texas moving forward because they were the ones who voted to keep, one of the ones who voted to keep <laughs> Houston out, and that, yes. that's drawn the ire of the Houston boosters. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and I saw one thing I didn't realize is that the University of Texas is looking to open a school in Austin for the first, or uh, in Houston. I'm in sorry Houston. for the first time. Which, yeah, yeah, you know, you're you're just pissing everybody off with that move. <laughs> yeah, I saw the was it the president, the Houston president, or something today was was uh, was out and and you know didn't have a lot of good things to say about Texas. And I, I see his point. I do. Uh, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense from their standpoint. It's um, business. You know. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, and and. Uh, yeah, from a from a Texas perspective, first of all, this is the coach everybody wanted, and they got him. Um, you know, so so they you know they're not going to apologize for that. That's just the way it is. Um, and, you know, the Big Twelve thing. You know, I I mean, it's a mess. It really is. There's no consensus. There's no leadership. Um, they you know they vetted what close to thirty different schools. Um, they just seem to not have any real clue what they wanted to do, and they ended up doing nothing. So, you know, I can understand the frustration, but um, tough luck, I guess, is what I'd say. The Big 12 needs to remember that not acting is a choice. They are choosing yeah. to stay at 10. 
by yeah, not they are. acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's just just the way it is. You know, now I, I still wonder if that's tenable for the long term. Um, it probably isn't, but who knows? You know, the, the Big Twelve has been really hard to figure for quite some time. Yeah, they don't know what they're doing. They don't. They really don't seem to. No, I mean, and as we've talked about, you still wonder if if they're ripe to be poached by other conferences if they want to continue to expand. I still think that could happen. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, if that, if the rumor of that starts to come out, you'll also see teams jockeying for position to jump them, including Houston. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the expansion has kind of, <coughs> you know, stopped or paused, I should say. It hasn't happened in the last few years. Everybody's kind of settled, but but it, it still has the feel that it could, you know, one thing could trigger a whole nother round of, of movement. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the last bit of college football news, uh, I saw Malik Zaire is going to graduate and leave with, yeah. with restrictions, but a, a fair compromise. They said he couldn't transfer anywhere on their schedule except UNC, which they let him uh, go and that's one of the, I think, one of the four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was sort of confused by that, and maybe you read more about it than I have. Why North Carolina? Why is that okay and nobody else? I don't know. I was, okay. I was wondering that. I, you know, I don't think he's from there. No, so. I don't think he is either. Because I, I, uh, I read, you know, yesterday that you know he could, he could transfer without restriction and blah blah blah. And then just today I saw on ESPN, just on the bottom line, you know, um, he can go anywhere except teams on their schedule but North Carolina. Like, well, why North Carolina? Why is that okay and the other ones aren't? I, I don't get that unless he wants to go to Carolina and so they didn't feel like fighting. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm well, confused. I mean, this is crazy talk, and I'm going to acknowledge that as such right now. But is it possible that North Carolina offers the master's program he wants? <laughs> like, maybe, is it, it could maybe. it actually be academic could it be the it spirit could, of the I rules <laughs> i suppose i mean you know now I, I you know from his standpoint as a you know football i think trubisky's only a junior trubisky but, is but, only a junior but i know he's he's you know he's, the hot name for draft prospects so he'll probably go pro um and you know you've got a you got a program that's been pretty good the last couple of years they were in the acc title game last year and you know, we're right there in the mix again until the, the end this year. So it's it's a fit, you know. I mean, they'd offer a chance to play. Obviously, he's only got one year, so he's going to go somewhere where he's got a pretty good chance to be the starter, if not a guaranteed chance. It's certainly going to be interesting. I love college free agency. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's become. You know, he won't be the only quarterback, I'm sure, to, to you know, find his way out. Well, he's, he's not. You know, Max Brown is, is in that same boat we know that uh, see where he ends up and then there's some of the you know the younger kid transfers um Blake Barnett from Alabama and Jarrett Stidham from Baylor are both out there and and you know will be eligible either right away next year or, or at some point next year so yeah you know there'll there'll be some musical chairs here at quarterback uh the next couple of weeks now we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk about uh, an ASU team that's got an incredibly leaky defense, giving up all kinds of points, but it's basketball. <laughs> so that's okay because it's yeah, at least it's yeah. 
you know, football got, football got me used to it. So now right. I can just be accepting. Um, so ASU plays the Citadel, wins with a combined score up over 200. Yeah. A- ASU comes back, travels to the Bahamas to play Kentucky on Monday night, and gets routed, gets treated like a team that didn't belong on the floor with Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. No, I mean... You know the Citadel game. I had I had read beforehand. I read Haller's preview that they, you know, their style is to basically you know chuck it all over and and you know get a ton of shots and give you a ton of shots. And so the numbers were a little surprising, but but I think that's the way they play. Um, and then you know, look, Kentucky is the number one team in the reason in the nation for a reason. Um, and and uh, they showed it. Boy, they look good. I mean. They're going to play a lot better teams than us, but boy, watching that, you couldn't help but think that they're on the very, very, very short list for national title contenders. Kentucky had six guys in double figures scoring. They shot 52% from the field. <laughs> they out rebounded ASU 59 to 33. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they just, uh, you know, they've got everything that. ASU doesn't, and a lot of teams don't. They've got size, and they've got speed and athleticism and, uh, you know, scorers in bunches. Uh, the one thing they they don't do really well, at least by the scouting report, is shoot from the outside, but they didn't need to. And that'll be the interesting thing when they get playing better teams, teams that can match up with them athletically, you know, and take away some of their easy shots. Can they, can they find ways to still score? But... Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a problem for them. That was uh, pretty much a layup line for 40 minutes. Well, the nice thing is if they establish that they can go inside the way they did against ASU, they'll get the open looks at three. And sure. they, they were almost they were at 39%, 39.3% yeah. against us. Yeah, I mean, they shot it well in that game. Uh, you know, that's that's been kind of, a, kind of a hallmark of these Calipari Kentucky teams is that most of them have not been great outside shooting teams. They maybe had one guy who was a dead eye shooter and the rest were really not good from three point shot, you know, um, and this team kind of appears to be the same way, but yeah, I mean, when you've got, when you've got a, you know, the young point guard looks like a stud, he had a triple double, only the second one in school history. Um, you know, he looks like a beast. Malik Monk is, is a, you know, maybe a top five, top 10 pick. Um, out of bio, I think is how it's pronounced. The big kid is probably a top 10 pick. Very, little bit raw but just just so skilled you know like like you, you know he still has to put it together to be an nba you know big time player but man you know the just the skill he had is just something we don't and i texted you that during the game like watching him you know you'd, you'd give anything to have a player like him so this is what scared me about the game ob played 33 minutes Scored 14 points, 11 boards, two blocks, three assists, a steal. Pretty good game. Made both yeah. his free throws. Here's what the other bigs did. And, and I'm going in descending order of impact. Yeah. Vila, 13 minutes, no shot attempts, one rebound, one block, four personal fouls. And yeah. you think, wow, that's not that good. Until you get to <laughs> Jethro, who played four minutes, was 0 for 1 from the field. He wound up with four rebounds. But he also turned the ball over and had five fouls in yeah. four minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he got three fouls before I even knew he was in the game, to be honest. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you see just how far away he is. I, I've said this to you all year. 
um, that he looks like a guy who hopefully by his junior year will be ready. And I, I still think that, you know, it's, it's going to be an arduous journey there, you know, and, and it's not going to be a quick fix. Yeah. Hold on. We're going to come right back in two seconds. Okay. And we're back because <laughs> we run a very tight ship here. And so I have no idea what the cutoff sounds like. It's probably going to be super awkward, but no one's listening anyway. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, for the Devils, the problem's going to be with the bigs and the development. You know, I guess the good thing to say is no one's probably leaving early. And, no. uh, you know, Obi, I think Obi's a senior, but, you know, and uh, Graham's a senior, I know. Right, right. But the rest of this team, Cunliffe's not going to see a tougher game all season, which is no. good for him. Yeah. Holder, you're, he's probably not going to play better guards than he saw. And. Uh, and he yeah. had, you know, of anybody, I think Holder held his own the best. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would say that is the one thing you could take from this game is that I, I doubt we will see a better team all year. Um, you know, uh, they're they're one of the probably three or four best teams in the country. You know, by the rankings right now, they're number one. Uh, you know, winning winning the tournament is a whole different thing. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean they will, but you know. Guy, I think them, Duke, North Carolina, Villanova, that's that's probably the the cream of the crop this year. And, you know, we, we don't play those others. So, yeah, I mean, it, it should all get more manageable from here. It doesn't mean we're going to run the table by any means. We got good, good, strong opponents just this month, plus whatever we see in the conference. But, yeah, I mean, the one thing you can take from this is this is probably as good a team as you're going to see. Teachable moments. Teachable yeah, moments for Hurley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, got to play better defense. Uh, the the interior, you know, is going to be a problem all year, but you have to hopefully find a way to work around that and be more effective. You can, you know, you just can't you just can't let teams basically have layup lines, which is what it looked like for Kentucky. They got easy baskets whenever they wanted them, um, and and that's I think the biggest area to work on for this year is you know figuring out ways to make it tougher your guards have to play better defense and you can't miss shots i mean that's you know you miss a ton of shots you give up fast breaks you turn the ball over you give up fast breaks so you know you you uh you're gonna have to figure out a way to to at least make the defense average that's really probably as good as it's gonna be you you, you're very lacking in size so to expect it to be a shutdown defense that holds teams to you know 50 points that's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about that. We will do uh, a look at the bowl preview, assuming that we know who the bowls are going to be. Yeah, that's true. Hopefully <laughs> we can do that next week. Otherwise, we'll talk about ASU and how do we recover from the lack of Zane Gonzalez, the <laughs> all-conference kicker. Yep. And uh, until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.